so you know what you're going to say here. Are you familiar with a French press? And I'm not talking about a basketball player running up and down the courts. <laughs> I was about to say, are we talking about Rudy Gobert in the backcourt? No. The French press is a, co a, a coffee device, yes. right? Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I ask because you don't drink coffee. But Well, actually, I've, I drink more coffee than I used to. Really? But I can take it or leave it, unlike most people. Okay. Well, you've caught me off guard. Yeah. Anyhow, um, I was gifted a French press All right. by my friend Chris. Very hoity Super, super grateful for it. Okay. He shot me a text the other day. He goes, hey, have you used a French press yet? I was like, I've been slammed this whole week. I had plans on doing it on Sunday morning. Okay. Sunday morning rolls around, <laughs> did the coffee beans, and all of a sudden, get the old scoops of coffee into that, the French press, got the hot water, let it steep for, it's supposed to do it for four minutes. I let it go for five, fine, whatever. Pressed it out, did my whole thing. It gave me 20 ounces of coffee. Normally, I'm used to consuming three times that. <laughs> I was about to say, I've seen you with much larger cups, but okay. <laughs> and um, it, was, it was delicious. It was different, but I learned something in the process when I asked my Google Home device, hey, Google, talk to me about a French press and the, uh, the advantages. Talk to me about a French press. Really? Yeah. That's what you said to your little thing, and it, it, it went off on... Parafra said, paraphrasing. Oh. But as it's giving me information, it's telling me that apparently there's cholesterol in a, by using a French press. Wait, what? Yeah, there's cholesterol. Why is it, that? It's the weirdest thing. I can do it right now. Um, so, hey Siri, what are the benefits of using a French press and cholesterol? Here's what I found. Oh, then it gives me a link. So then it says pressed coffee, health.harvard.edu. Pressed coffee is going mainstream, but should you drink it? The coffee aficionados, oh wait, hang on. Uh, what is the brouhaha, darkest side of the cup? Good news about the coffee to press or not to press. But it goes on to say that there's like uh, caffeinoids or caffeinates or something in the coffee that says that apparently that it's not good for you and there's like it doesn't go through a filter the way other coffees, brewed coffees do and whatnot. Right. So it's so basically the flavor is better because it's enriched by uh It was the weirdest thing, yeah. Huh. It's okay. the most bizarre thing. And when when Google started reading me that information or started, you know, speaking about that information, I was like, what the hell? I kinda is a bit of a downer to the whole thing. Yeah. So it wasn't so great that you're willing to add some extra... Um, I don't know. Health you, risks. You make pressed coffee by mixing boiled water and coarsely ground coffee beans in a special glass pitcher. There's no filter to keep ground coffee grounds from getting into your cup. Instead, you press an attached mesh plunger, etc. Without a filter, some of the oily substances found in coffee beans called... Diterpene, diterpenes wind up in your cup. Coffee aficionados say these oils make the brew taste better, but you should know that diterpenes have been shown to have a negative impact on health. Five to eight cups a day of unfiltered coffee may actually raise your bad LDL cholesterol. Wow. Weird, right? <laughs> okay. I'm we like, go back to the question of 
Was it so good that it's worth the higher cholesterol level? Um, it was delicious, but I, I, I sent a text to Chris. I go, how often do you, do you use yours? And he goes, like maybe twice a month. I go, cool, because I'm going to get on that same program. I'm thinking like every Sunday, but you know, if it's, uh, yeah. High cholesterol coffee. because Okay, it makes sense because it's not filtering out certain things, but it's enriching the flavor. It's odd. Is what they're saying. Sure. All right. Yeah, it's just weird. Okay, so after having the exact same razor because I bought 80 blades of the exact same thing like 12 <laughs> years ago, uh, I finally ran out of them. Wow. And they, did, and they didn't have that flavor, that brand anymore. Oh, no. Because, you know, it's been 12 years since I bought razor <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. It, it had been quite a while. I had to go to another brand. Okay. And everything now has these little bumper strips yep. above and below all blades, mm -hmm. which means you, now you, you don't shave except for like small portions of your face. Small now. sections, yes. Right, well, I, I do. Yes. I, and this little <laughs> moment right underneath my nose. Underneath your nostril. Is impossible now with this little rubber bumper thing. Yeah. And I'm like, what do they expect to have happen here? Right. So that was kind of a moment that I'm saying, okay, <laughs> Everything else is going fine. I'm getting used to to uh, dude's name Razor that we all have seen on TV and other places. But mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I kind of miss the fact that the blade goes right to the top. And yeah. I can get it to inconvenient places, like right underneath my nose. You can do that thing with the nose and you're fine. Okay. And you get in there with the, the, with the razor and all yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, to which one did which brand did you settle on? Did you get did you go with Harry's? Well, yeah, that was they just had a, a box of eighty blades or whatever that number is. Okay, so now I I, I give you a little tip on this, a little shaving tip. Um, okay. If you if you go to Harry's.com and you shell out, it's like twenty five bucks a month or whatever. Uh, twenty five bucks, sorry, um, quarterly or twenty bucks quarterly, whatever. You get um, eight blades. You get a new handle if you need one. Um, you get a, sh a can of shaving cream. You can choose that, or you can choose shampoo, or you can sign up for the five additional dollars and get a surprise gift. So you get like a, a bottle of shampoo, or maybe a face moisturizer, maybe an aftershave balm. It's awesome. Okay. Don't use any of that stuff. I'm just trying to help you out. Just razor and water in the shower. I know. I just go. And it's just. I'm that guy. I remember the first time you, you told me about that and, and your whole shaving routine. I thought it was really bizarre, but here we are. I, I, I have the, the classic Irish beard. There's just, it's not a super thick thing. It goes by real fast. Mm -hmm. I can get rid of it in a hurry. So I don't do the, uh, the whole, I've never understood <laughs> the whole, let's give myself the Santa Claus beard and, and like work my, my way through it. I, there's no mirror. There's no, it's just touch and go. And that's that. But you ever had a hot shave? No. I haven't either. No. Like you're talking about like in. With uh, the hot towel and, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. No. Uh, I was thinking about rounders where they go into the city and have, uh, where Ed Norton and uh, Matt Damon okay. go into the city after they're on some long thing in he has a great line. I feel like I'm going to get whacked. 
because oh yeah yeah because they're sitting back and they mm-hmm. got the towel over it and then the guy comes along with the straight blade mm-hmm. yeah i don't think i could do that that makes me really nervous you think yes a guy with a straight i mean and that's like their thing they're right? trained I mean, to do that yes trained or just simply over time you you get what is it? But yeah, I don't think I want a guy starting at my neck and going up to my ear with a straight blade. I, I, I it, it's weird. I mean, because I when I shave, I shave against the grain. Yeah. Cool. And and so I, I don't go you know down. I go up against the grain. So that's I, I like to get that really close shave. Like when I do go like complete, you know, clean and on the face, which hasn't happened in let's see, we're in 2021. I haven't shaved my face clean in roughly five years. All right. Well. I said I haven't shaved my face clean in about five years. Wow, that was random. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea why the watch just decided that she couldn't hear you. That was really Uh, weird. That was awesome. All right, so we've gone eight and a half minutes without even talking about our topic, which is fine by me because you brought this up and I'm thinking to myself, well, there's a whole bunch of people that I think I would want to see until I get into the room and I realize, damn, these guys are old. It's I don't not, really want to see this. So the question that I huh. sent you, the text, because I, okay. I, I saw it on, on Twitter um, earlier in the week was, if you could pick one band, dead or alive, right. to reunite and record one more album, who would the band be? And it, it's not... Record an album. It doesn't have to not be for just a live one. show. I mean, okay, we can go with concerts too. Like, right. I've, got a, I've got a ton of stuff over here. Okay, so to me... It's really hard for a band to, and, and I give bands that have, recapture that moment. Mm-hmm. And so few bands have been able to go back in the studio time and time again. And you could almost put them on one or two hands where you say, okay, Pink Floyd was able to do it, and ACDC was able to do it, and the police were able to do it, and these bands that were able to go back in and recapture basically never having a sophomore slump. Okay. Right? Where where other bands in, oh man, this is the world that we're in today, is they not only can't record an album that recaptures a moment, can you get two songs from an album? Would because you, everybody is a one-hit wonder. Using the sophomore slump, um, the, the term, would you consider... By the way, for anybody that doesn't know in the industry, sophomore slump was the regular term for after the band puts out their first album, the second one sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and doesn't do anything on the charts. Everybody's like, uh-oh. Because and, there's a radio person, a radio friend of ours here in Northern Nevada who has the phrase, um, you have your entire life to write your first record. You have 10 minutes to write the next one. Perfect. It's absolutely true. You, you better get on it because... If you don't, your label's going to say bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to find the next guy doing. So when you say, can somebody, and, and I think to myself, like when um, Van Halen put out albums in the early 2000s, right? Isn't that when their last album, when they when they got the Wolfgang la- to, well, to do bass after Michael Anthony was gone? and they You mean the record or, with Dave? That was a different kind of truth, and that was 2007. There you go. All right. But that was their first record since Sammy split the band, um, split from the band, and that was 1995, six. My point is nobody cared. It it came and went. Hey, we cared. You and I cared enough to go to the show, and we saw it, and Van Halen ruled that night. 
And because they played their hits. <laughs> but they, they still played ruled. like two songs from the new album and everybody's like, hey, good time to get popcorn. And I was stoked because one of the songs they played was one of my favorite song of the record. So I lost my mind. Okay. But the point is, for the most part, everybody that was in that room did not care about the new record. Oh, they just wanted to see Van Halen play. Yeah, right. you're right. The hits. And, and Dave was back, and it was everybody but Michael Anthony and the band. They mm -hmm. had Wolfgang play bass and all that sort of stuff. So it's so rare that a band can come back together. And I think part of my jaded thought with this whole thing is, I remember, I want to believe, I was with you when we saw Foreigner in the... Um, the event center downtown? No, in the room. Oh, yeah. What was the Reno Hilton now? Uh, yeah, Grand, Grand, Sierra. Grand Sierra in the room next to the bowling alley. Yeah, yeah. It was and Foreigner it was and Night Ranger. Horrible. <laughs> it was like watching a cover band, but the band was the actual band. Yeah. Like there was no energy. There was nothing about it. And you're just going through. And I'm like, okay, I always liked Foreigner, but... This is kind of painful. So I think the reason why you didn't enjoy the show for a couple of reasons. One, um, they had a different singer at the time. So the singer, okay. it was not Lou Graham. It was a guy named Kelly Hansen who uh, came from an L.A. band called Hurricane. And <laughs> okay. then it was only at the time, out of the six people on stage, there were only two actual original members of Foreigner. There you one go. It being was like a cover band. The guitarist Mick Jones and the other, I think, was uh, the keyboard player. All right. <clears throat> okay. Excuse me. So, so, so it is like a cover band. I mean, I mean, when you don't have the lead singer and you don't have most of the band members, like when you said you saw Foghat. A couple yeah, of, there was one original member. There you go. That's kind of like a cover band. And that original member is no longer. That's. that's yeah. Now they're basically a glorified cover band because yeah. they don't. The, the Lonesome Dave Peverett. When I saw Foghat twenty-five years ago in '96. And Lonesome Dave was still was the, the singer, guitar player, and then Lonesome Dave dies in the early 2000s, um, and Foghat continued to go on. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, at that point, why? Right. So if you said, oh, I'd like if Foghat put out a new album. Well, wait a second. Mm -mm. Foghat put out new albums yeah. long after Slow Ride came and went, yep. right? Oh, yeah. And Several records. Exactly. So we, we latch on to what is that amazing riff that was in beer commercials. I mean, it was in a Miller commercial. It was in... Carl's Jr. Yeah, it was in Carl... I mean, there's so many places they've used that riff because it's a great riff, mm -hmm. and they never repeated it. They didn't, and... It, the, Which is too bad for them because, like like the old Saturday Night Live um, skit went, open with Fog Hat, play it four times in the middle, close <laughs> with Fog Hat, and I'll be happy. That's a good... Or uh, Slow Ride, rather. That's a good Foghat show. They had um, right the show. Well, they had one other. Uh, well, other full for the city. Yeah, full for the city. The okay, same so open with, open with full for the city. Play slow ride three times. Finish with full for the city. That's a good Foghat show. Fair enough. Right. But they had uh, the the show was incredible. The show's hands oh, down yeah. one of the best I've ever seen in my life. And and there are entertainers that we have seen that somehow timelessly continue. And the last big show that I saw was with you was seeing Metallica. Okay, and absolutely. I give Metallica the total props because they have the ability, I'm not gonna say reinvent, but continue progressing their sound. That show was five years ago, by the way. I know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, no, and I'm, I'm It sure feels I've like forever, that. but the last time we saw Metallica was five years ago. Yeah, we like, saw it at Fox Theater. Yeah. And in Oakland, was it five years? That was 16? To December 2016. 
Oh, wow. I was, yeah. I thought it was 17. Okay. No. So we saw it with 3,500 people. It's Not even it, that. Itty bitty little venue. The, the max capacity of that, that room is 28. There you go. And they were great. They played the hits. Mm -hmm. They played some stuff off the new album, which, oh, by, by the way, was super loud. Like everything was manageable until they played the new stuff. And you're like, oh, this is really painful because it's so loud. So they open with Bread Fan. Oh, there you go. You have the, uh, the, the playlist. List. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because I, I typed it as we went. They yeah. opened with Bread Fan as they did when we saw them at the, uh, the I'm going to say it, when we saw them on, in July of 94 on the Shit in the Sheds tour. That's oh, what the right. tour was called. Right. And uh, Bread Fan was the opener. Then they came in strong with Creeping Death and Blackened right after that. Then Sad But True, uh, Fade to Black, Atlas Rise. There's one of your new that's tracks. New, right. Harvester that's of Sorrow. Super loud. Yes. Uh, Moth into Flame, another new one. Right. Uh, then they played. Then they went on a slew of uh, hits. Uh, one Master of Puppets for whom the bell tolls. Uh, they played Sandman, which is normally what they close with, and they didn't. So then after that was Whiskey in a Jar. Then they played Hardwired to Self Destruct. Then they close with Seek and Destroy. Yeah. Which they can extend that as much as little or as, as much as they want or as little as they want by the way that song works. Yeah. Like when we saw him here in 91 with the whole snake pit thing, they made Jason sing the lead on that. Yeah. And they kept like redoing it over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Jesus, they just made Seek well, and Destroy like 14 minutes long. And I think part of the reason why they, they, it was such so much crowd involvement, because I read a story earlier today about how when Metallica was going into the studio to record the self-titled record, they went into the studio with the mindset of becoming the world's biggest rock band. Oh. They knew that between all the big hair bands um, and the potential of other things that could happen musically that could change the landscape or whatever, like at the time they had peaked within their own career of having won all over MTV and right. selling out arenas right and left, but how can we be bigger than these arenas? How can we take this show outdoors and be become the band that everyone needs to see which to and to have to have that real quick there still i mean there are still people out there who have yet to see metallica of course there are lots of people because they're intimidated by the whole thing it is very loud it is if you're not into the genre if you're not a metallica fan for one reason or another you think all their stuff sounds the same you haven't gone you haven't right. heard it i remember being uh, just board hopping at the radio station 30 years ago and mm -hmm. somebody says to me, I'm not a fan of Metallica, it all sounds the same to me. I go, whoa, whoa wait a second. <laughs> and I remember playing the intros to like five different songs, whether it was One or Battery or uh, Fade to Black, they all sound different. Mm -hmm. and, and again, you give Metallica props because they continue to reinvent. So if you said to me, who would you want to put out another album? I'd say, I'd want to see Metallica do it again because the last thing they put out was the SNM two, and it sounds different than SNM one. They did it again, and you're like, all right, this is impressive. They keep having a slightly different sound. They keep maturing, even in their 50s. When I flew to Portland in November of 2008 to go see the show at the Rose Garden, uh, the Moda Center, should I say, it was, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm three songs in, and I'm laughing to myself, and I said, like, I am watching the absolute most perfect band on the face of God's it's, green earth. It's it's really impressive stuff. Now, when you talk about who's not around that you wish still was, that was able to, like if you had the original, because I know you're a fan, 
Exactly. You had the original lineup of Def Leppard. Oh yeah, absolutely. With uh, with Clark on guitar and all that, and to put together a new Def Leppard album. The last time that that um, lineup of Def Leppard played actually a show here in Reno was the summer of 1981. Okay. 40 years ago, and it was Def Leppard and Blackfoot at the at the room at the time uh, was the Centennial Coliseum. Oh, and, that's right. Oh okay. man, I w- I mean I but see the thing is with with that age, was high and dry album. Yeah. Right? Okay. And with age, with time, with you know the way the sonic is these days, the the mood, the music, the whole line. I mean, you're not gonna get, you're not gonna be able to recreate that sound of of high and dry. Right. Fine. Um, or even. But it would be kind of neat to have. Or even hysteria. Well, even then, that was that was a six year difference with the record in between. Right. That was the kind of the 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 baton, if you will, right. of going from the really like young, angsty. Uh, you know, pent up Sheffield kids, you know, who who have all this energy, and now all of a sudden they go into the studio with the same producer they had on on uh, um, the first two records, uh, okay. Robert Mutt Lang, and they said, "Hey, uh, we're going to have you do a little more of an expanded sound on this record." Oh yeah, in hysteria, in it progressed out of pyromania because that was the bridge record mm-hmm. and all that. But would you say to yourself, I'd really like it if Def Leppard, because you're a fan of them, that's oh, yeah. one of your one of your top bands, would you be excited if they said, we put out a new album? I would. Um, and here's the thing. Like, okay. It, I, do, I do get it. I'm not going to lie. I do get excited when they release new records. I, I'm... <laughs> I know it's not, I, I go in with an anticipation. This is something I do within myself. I have an anticipation for something because if there's an expectation and the expectation is not met, you have a massive amount of disappointment. Sure. However, if you go into something anticipating it to sound like this and it sounds like this, okay, you're well and good. That's, that's fine. But if, it, if you expect things to sound something and it doesn't sound the way you're expecting it to suddenly like ah oh, this band sucks and that band's terrible <laughs> i mean because i did this i did that with metallica i remember oh. that i had oh, that when the black album came out you were angry at i it. was pissed because it was such a commercial sound they shortened the songs they made more and more of them radio friendly yeah and you were, i remember you were angry at them you were like this sucks this is not what i wanted right. from this band i wanted them to go harder and angrier and these long diatribes, and then eventually you kind of mellow it out to the whole, well, wait a second, maybe this isn't so awful because I see the progression. Yeah. We saw him when we saw him in uh, Oakland on the Day on the Green. That show was incredible. And then fast forward to the show that you referenced here um, at the, the Snake Pit show at Lawler Event Center. That was incredible as well. Right. I mean, we got to, we were spoiled. Honestly, we were spoiled, Greg. We got to see so many amazing bands. One band that I wish. I could have seen, and I didn't, and I I kick myself for it. Pun intended is in excess. Oh, interesting. I wish I could have seen in excess in their heyday, like between eighty eighty five to eight, even ninety ninety one, because yeah. they played Sacramento a handful of times, hmm. and they played Arco Arena, they played the Cal Expo Amphitheater at the time, now called Papa Murphy's Park. They played, and I didn't go. I just and I assume that that would have been fun. Yeah. Because those guys seemed in their heyday when they weren't all hopped up, that they were having fun, right? Absolutely. That, that, that would have been a fun show. Yes. Whereas sometimes it's like, it's almost a, can you put up with it mm-hmm. type thing. And, and everybody's been to a show where you're like, 
okay, I just want to hear this one song and I'm kind of putting up with all these other songs that I don't really know as well because I want to hear this one song and how they do it differently live than they did on the album. Because that's all part of shows yep. is you, that anticipation of your favorite song. Um, I always think about, believe it or not, when I think about live shows and the most impression to me was Queensryche. Yeah. When it was the guys that uh, Jeff Tate and Scott Rock and all those guys. The original all together. lineup. Yeah. yeah. They had a creativity to their shows mm-hmm. that was such an impression that it was a production. And the one band that I think has brought that on, that carried that on, is now Muse. Oh, okay. That's and that's fair. It's a weird bridge because they're totally not the Sonic, same thing. Yeah, sonically different. Very much so. But they both understand the presentation, that it's so much more, and maybe it's because we have a short attention span or or the first show I ever went to was the cars with all this crazy stuff up on the stage, and I always think that that should be a part of shows. And when I see a show and all it is is risers and amps and, mm-hmm. and dudes, then I'm like, eh, all right. I remember when I moved back to Reno in 2004 and I started working at the radio company downtown. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I remember hearing on, at the time, KRZQ, Matt Diablo was playing, a, was playing this song that to me sounded like Radiohead on steroids and I couldn't place it. And I went into work that later on that day and I said to Matt, I'm like, what is this song? He goes, oh, dude, you're talking about Muse. That's the song Hysteria. I was like, I need more of that in my life. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Muse have progressed and progressed and progressed in being more and more of a production. Yeah, more very and much more so. of, wow, this is not just their music, mm-hmm. which is captivating if you're into that sonic or into that sound, but is is this really impressive thing. And Queensryche did that when their early stuff, they were just a metal band out of Seattle. And then as they progressed along and it, it heightened or got to the summit with, Operation Mind Crime and Empire and all that, and then the whole world blew up because I don't know if they got too big. Or... The, well, okay, so they definitely peaked with Empire. Let's, that's oh yeah. I mean, there's no question. But oh, when wow. they Jeez. when they toured and when they toured behind the the recreation, the, the go back and they redid Life Operation Crime. Live Crime, right. yeah, and they took that on the road, and then the encore was basically a greatest hit set. Yeah, that was awesome because I don't think they got to. Um, they got to headline a, a full production show because they were opening for Metallica in 88, 89. And then after they were done uh, done with the tour, then they had to go into the studio to go start right, start work on an Empire. And right. the cult picked up for Queensryche where Queensryche left off to open for Metallica. And that's where that's where the cult went. And then after Metallica was done touring, um, and, or should I say, then the cult was on for a little bit. Faith No More picks up where the cult leaves off. Yeah. Um, huh. Cult, yeah, it was it was that's a, an interesting carryover. Sure, weird mishmash of everything. Right, and you bring up the cult. That's a band that I'd again put the original lineup together. Sure, I'd be interested to hear what they do. Modern. It's safe to say I was lucky enough to to have seen. Okay, so um, jump back to '87 real quick. There was a show here in town at this place called the Grand Ballroom, and it was a White Lion show. And I remember my friend Leah. You know Leah, uh, red hair Leah. Yes. She was standing out front with her boyfriend at the time, Tony Mello. Tony played drums for a local band called Metal Minded, and. 
they were standing out, we were all standing out front talking about music and everything. I was working at the time at Budget Tapes and Records. And I see Leah wearing this awesome Guns N' Roses shirt from Appetite for Destruction. I was like, where did you get that shirt? I need one. Because like rock shirts were so hard to find here in Reno. Okay. So I was like, where did you get that? She goes, oh, we just got done seeing him down in LA. We saw him at the Troubadour with the cult. I was like, no! Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, in 1987, the cult had electric. Guns N' Roses have appetite for destruction. Guns N' Roses were the opener. The cult were the headliner. That was like... Playing a room that holds 1,200 people. No. The Troubadour holds 459 people. Is it that small? I've never even... I've driven by it. I have not been in the Troubadour. Wow. Yeah. So they're telling me about this. I'm like, just my mind is blown. Wow. Yeah. And that's before rock t-shirts started invading music stores and then eventually things like Spencer's Gifts and stuff like that. Um, So I was lucky enough, where I was going with that, I was lucky enough, X amount of years later, 26, give or take years later, um, I saw the cult at Slim's in San Francisco. (laughs) The capacity for Slim's is 437 people. Okay. So great. So see, and and the cult were touring in support. They were they they were touring in support of the anniversary, uh, Mm. whatever the 25th anniversary or whatever of Electric. Mm. And so the thing that they're playing all the hits. The only song they did not play on that record was their cover of "Born to Be Wild." Oh, they played. They played the record in succession from beginning to end, minus "Born to Be Wild." Huh. It was the weirdest thing. They went from love removal, love removal machine to outlaw, and I'm like, wait a second, where Born to Be Wild go? <laughs> it was like we're missing a song here. Like it's, this isn't, and and so the whole time, and I've always wanted to catch up with Ian Asbury and ask him why didn't you guys play the song that night? And the answer probably is they didn't have the permission to play it. They may not live. have. Yeah, that's the only thing that would make sense. Is that's to very true. Not play something. Okay, what's the cartoon beer? Uh, today's uh, beer that I have in my hand is a Quarantine Dreams <laughs> made by Revision. Okay. It's a hazy IPA. Yeah, all right. It just is covered with cartoon. It is. Uh, right. I like this label. And this was gifted to me by my friend Jay. So thank nice. you, Jay. All right. Uh, the uh, When you talk about certain bands doing certain things and bringing you back to places. Yes. You talk about what you missed and you wish you'd, like NXS, you wish mm-hmm. you'd seen. Oh, I've got another show for you. Go ahead. We were talking on, on Road Trip that I just did. Like, the big ones that I wish I'd seen, I don't necessarily want them to put out another album, but Dead or Alive People is, I wish I'd seen Michael Jackson live. I'll go with that. He was, he was a performer. Absolutely. And he was a weird dude. And I think being famous from the age of five or whatever, kind of messed his head up a little mm-hmm. bit. And yeah, that'll happen to you when you're famous from the age of five. Mm-hmm. Um, and Madonna's the same way. Madonna oh, in, her, in her heyday. These shows, these pop shows that that probably would drive you nuts with the people around you and you might be a little overwhelmed by the time you're done with it. But these are the, and Prince is probably the third one of those. Yeah. Those, I mean, you put those all in, on Mount Rushmore and you say, okay, those were the performers that I wish I would have seen just the one namers. The trifecta of pop. I mean, that's this. Yeah, it kind of is. That really is. I mean, yeah. there there are no two ways around it. Michael Jackson, um, the the king there of pop. The halftime shows. Oh man, <laughs> um, Pr- Prince definitely in his heyday with with you know the two three hour shows that he would do. Yeah. Um, and then who's the? Oh, you said Madonna. I wish I could have seen um, Madonna's uh, like a uh, not like a virgin. Uh, what was the other record that has Express Yourself? Um, 
Well, um, uh, I always think about like a prayer. The, okay. Yeah, that's the tour that I really wanted to see because she like the 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 dancers and like the full. I mean, it's it's a production. You go back to that word. Exactly. It's exactly what it is. And and the choreography that goes through and through an entire show. Mm-hmm. I'm always impressed with that because. There's no way I can remember lines, much less remember steps. So when I see that kind of stuff and it goes all the way through an hour and a half, two hour long show and it's flawless, damn, that's cool. Here's a show that'll blow your mind that I've seen that has elaborate production as well, dancing and all that. Britney Spears. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. Well, she's okay. She's right in that line. She was heavily influenced by Mm -hmm. Madonna. So that makes a lot of sense. Britney Spears in the summer of 2003. Okay. Yeah, when I was still oh, living in sack. Sacramento. Yeah. That was the that was a very surreal experience. It was like kind of last minute, hey, I've got an extra ticket. Do you want to go? I'm like, yes, I want to go. I just without question, because it was a Britney show, sure. you never know when and if you're ever gonna see Britney Spears show ever again. I mean, if you unless you're in Vegas on the strip or whatever, right. you see one of the long term uh whatever they call those shows, the where the resident shows. Yeah. Um, that's fine. But this was a concert tour and it was very intriguing and impressive. All at the okay. same time. All right. Um, I can believe that. The show that I, I, to this day, I wish I would have seen instead of choosing my heart, because you know me, when my heart is on my sleeve, <laughs> that's the, the, the okay. it's first and foremost. There was a woman who had my attention. Her name was Denise. And I had a ticket to see a band outside in Sacramento in the summer of 1988. And I was like... I'll see the band again. They're going to tour again. And when they do, it'll, it won't be a problem. I'm going to stick around and hang out with Denise. Nothing ever materialized with Denise. Meanwhile, all my friends who the next day were telling me about the Pink Floyd show in Sacramento all said, man, what were you doing? Where were you? We were looking all over for you. I was like, yeah, oh. I, I didn't go. Oh. And that was like, at the time, that was an expensive ticket. That was like a $45 ticket. That would have been Delicate Sound of Thunder of 88. No, that would have been a momentary lapse of reason. Oh, well, Delicate Sound of, reason, of Thunder was the live... The tour? That was the live for momentary... Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that was yeah. the momentary lapse of reason tour. And nice. I was so into that record. And I was so into Denise. And I was like, ah, I'm just going to hang out with Denise. And I'll, I'll see Pink Floyd again. And you never saw him again? I never did. Didn't they tour Reno for Division Bell? No, they didn't play Reno. God, I wish they'd play Reno on Division Bell. Huh. I think the closest was Oakland. They played the outdoor, the, the Coliseum, where the A's play. Yeah. And that was it. That was like their right. one and only Northern California oh, show. Oh, yeah, because they, they do like six shows. I'm, I guess I get them in Rush. Yeah, oh, Rush of, played. Yeah, Rush coming like, through was like, oh, cool, Rush is in town next week. Yeah. Two weeks later, Rush is in town again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had their time. They they kind of rolled through here for. I mean, Rush a is while. Rush is great live, but and, it's not Pink Floyd. And Rush, we I, I think we both talked about the documentary that came out after they stopped playing, mm-hmm. and people talked about how they saw them like eighty five times yep. and stuff like that, and that was like their thing. And the only other time I'd ever heard about that are Grateful Dead people, yeah, the Deadheads that would follow them uh, from Fish uh, is another another oh, band yeah. that people follow. Um, I was trying to think of uh, U2 is another one of oh. these bands. Well, they only play like four shows a year or two. I mean, but when they tour, they tour. Yeah, I guess like Metallica. So you know, we I like my hairstylist. She when when U2 is touring, she's like, I'm like, hey, Kimmy, what are you gonna do? She goes, oh, uh, John and I are gonna go see U2. And I had to think about it for a second. I'm like, 
they're not even on the West Coast. She goes, no, I know the show's going to be in Denver. <laughs> but we're going, we're going to Florida. We're flying to Baltimore. I'm like, Ugh. wow, like you, you're dedicated. I'm impressed. And okay. Okay. I mean, if that's what you do, that's what you do. Yeah, that's, that's dedication. And I mean, if that's your band, then you do it. Right. And you never know when it ends because I mean, they all end. I did that with Deftones for so many years. Every, <laughs> almost every single show they ever played in San Francisco, Sacramento, uh, San Jose. Um, I, I've seen them in LA. I, I mean, I've seen Deftones more than you can shake a stick at. All right. And that's my band. But I, I mean, I haven't traveled to, you know, uh, Poughkeepsie, New York <laughs> to go right. see Deftones. Traveled, you know, across the country for other bands and all that, right. but well, and that's that was a part of your gig for a long time. Was yeah, to go places so that you could have those memories, have those moments to put out on the air as you introduce mm-hmm. those bands. And there were moments where you're like, God, I wish I wasn't there, or I wish I wasn't here. As much as I'm excited to be here, I don't really want to see this band. I'm waiting to see that band. That that was, and that the, happens lots with those big tours or the big festivals. That was the case seven years ago in Austin when I had a ticket to see Pitbull at Austin City Limits, the <laughs> the room where they shoot the TV show. Okay. I had a ticket to see Pitbull that night. I worked like I fought tooth and nail to get this ticket, and then all of a sudden we're all pile. A bunch of us are all piling onto these shuttle buses to go to I think it's uh, Zilker Park to go watch Foster the People. And the whole time, <laughs> I'm in my head going, I don't want to see Foster the People. I don't want to see this show. I am not happy to be here. I need to be at the Pitbull show. I need to find a way to sneak away and get to the Pitbull show. Okay, here's a couple of beers, Chris Payne. Thanks. Start watching Foster the People. I was like, okay. Here's a couple more beers. Thanks. Show's over. And I was like, that show was incredible. Right. I was blown away. And then, you know, and then the- Did they play Pop Up the Kicks? Uh, That's they, the big hit for they them. They did. But man, that is a rough song. Yeah. We've talked about that song. Yeah. That if you don't know the underlying um, story or what's going on, it's it's about a mass shooting at a school and yeah. a kid that's upset. And with all, fortunately, with all the other nutty stuff going on, those have definitely calmed down. Thankfully. But man, that is a rough song to listen to, especially mm-hmm. like me, where you have teenage kids that are in school. Yeah. Um, you think about that song when you hear it or you think about the message going on you're like man this is tough so i didn't know if they played that live yeah they did we've talked about how the show bands was... won't play songs like um the show was great uh, killers won't play jenny right uh jenny yes they don't play that one because um, that's about his ex-wife right? well the whole record is about his ex an ex-girlfriend of his Paul the Simon's, entire Paul first Simon record still plays graceland <clears> stuff, though. excuse me um and that's about carrie fisher impressive yeah, Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes is all about Carrie Fisher. I had no idea. Yeah. Anyway. Huh. Okay. I've never seen Paul Simon. I would like to see Paul Simon in concert. I have seen Paul McCartney, though. I made sure to see Paul McCartney. That would be cool. I was at Lollapalooza. He was there, was at 16. And, yeah, it was, it was Paul McCartney, Metallica. A bunch of people were at Lollapalooza that year. Wow. But um, not on the same night, thankfully. Was he doing... Beatles stuff, wing stuff, everything. Oh, he did. Everything. Oh, he went across the game. Yeah, oh, that's neat. He, he, okay. Yeah, he pulled out all the stops, and it was great. So um, he he played, and I remember like Paul, my friends were like, "Hey, we're going to dinner. We're doing this. We're doing that." And I looked at all of them. I said, "Listen, 
My mother grew up on the Beatles. I'm not a Beatles fan. I am a Rolling Stones guy. But if I don't watch Paul McCartney, my mother is going, she won't let me live it through. <laughs> yeah. So he watched... used to go up to Truckee. He and did? Do, he'd do jams at the little uh, bars up at Truckee. Oh, no kidding. The, yeah, he just, because he had a house up there for a time or whatever. Hmm. And he'd just sit at the piano and people would be like, oh, that's cool. There's piano. Oh, wait, that's Paul McCartney. Wow. Oh, yeah. And I think, believe it or not, it stopped with the socials. Hmm. Like when that you would sense. get out there, people, oh, I saw Paul McCartney. Da, da, da. And when he that started to happen, he stopped doing And age will do that and all that. But, yeah, for good reason. But still, yeah. He, can you imagine just hanging out at the bar and you look over and it's Paul McCartney going away on the piano. So um, real quick, I will, I know I will try to, I sometimes get a little lengthy with the stories, but there was a, a Marilyn Manson show that I was at in... Um, in 95, January 95, and he, in the middle of a song, had a Snickers bar that he was he bit into, and he's singing while he has the food in his mouth. A piece oh. of it flies out. My, you're, you know Ryan, yes. my friend Ryan Smith. Ryan and I and our friend Bridget and Bob, backward Bob. Right. We were all up front, like really up front for the show, and a piece of the candy bar flies out of Manson's mouth, lands on Bridget's face. She lets out this blood-curdling scream. <laughs> she, she was like, I need to go to the bar, wipe this off. Are you coming with me? We all just looked at her at the same time. No. <laughs> she goes, you guys are dicks. And she leaves. <laughs> at, at the end of the show, we're all blown away. The show is incredible. We find Bridget at the end of the bar. She's drinking a Budweiser and in an entirely different state of mind. We're like, Hey, are you okay? She goes, yeah, I'm fine. Thanks for not joining me, though. But it's okay. I have a great story to tell Mark, that's her brother, because as I'm cleaning up my face and there's a guy seeing, sees that I'm freaked out and I'm crying and he asks if he can buy me a beer. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. Buy me a beer. And then she looks up to see who it is that's buying her a beer. And it was Kirk Hammett from Metallica. Oh, Jesus. Who was okay. buying her a beer. And she was like, Holy shit, you're Kirk Hammett. And he goes, yeah. Yes, I am. Here's okay. a beer for you. She goes, thanks. And he disappeared into the crowd. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that was That's where you get for staying in the front row. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Huh. I Okay, as we finish things up, to me, the ultimate, ultimate, and I almost get choked up thinking about it, the original lineup of Alice in Chains. We saw him, though. We did. Okay. Twice even. Wait, no, did you see did you see him at the Clash of the Titans tour? Yeah. Okay. So then we saw him well, sort of. And then we saw I him, saw the last three songs. Okay. That sucked. But we saw him four months later. Thank you, Christy, for that. Yeah. She we, wanted to stop a couple of times. Oh, with Van Halen. No, 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 no. No Clash we, of the Titans? No, Clash well, we saw him four months later with Van Halen. Yeah, we saw yeah. That was that was all well and good. Yeah. But I'm saying that I would have made a lot more of that set. Had we not stopped three times on the way down to Sacramento oh. for the Clash things. Thank you, Christy. Okay. Anyway, yeah. uh, that was a long, long time ago. But, yeah, that's one that... You love Alice in Chains. Let's be honest. You, you, I would say it out of all of and the bands... And if you listen to Mad Season, that was the, the project on the side. Yeah. He, <laughs> he saw his death. You, uh, a lot of people don't, uh, may or may not know your musical taste and your musical preference, but that's most certainly one band that, I mean, that you gravitate toward. Oh, yeah. No matter what. And even with, I, and apologize, I do not know the new lead singer's name. William. 
he's fantastic. Oh, he's great. And the new stuff they have put out, I'm I'm actually impressed with. Like, I'm good with that. Yeah. And that's rare that you can replace a lead yep. and still continue on. But I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's I mean the show that at Knitting Factory that saw that we saw the Allison Chain yeah. show there that was amazing. That was a fantastic. Show. What, and I know what an amazing place to to see that band. You're like, wow. And that, that not, just happened. That night was like, asses to elbows when we got in, and I remember oh, yeah. you and I were both like pinned against the bar, trying to get a drink, having whatever, just even to have a little room to move. Barely had any room to move, but as knuckleheads were getting thrown out through the night because of <laughs> fights and whatnot, that eased up some space. Yeah. And suddenly, like you gave me a nudge, you go, "Hey, we have a little room to move." I'm like, "All right." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. By the time we got to the end of the set, I was like, "Okay." And yeah, I don't know if like. Everybody our age got tired and had to go home or something, or, or they were the deal. This. But yeah, the room definitely got a little emptier. Yeah, and then they had that amazing show that we saw at Grand Sierra. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of a. It was their last show of that tour. Yes, it I was. No, well, they haven't toured since. They have. Um, they did. They just didn't come through here. They were supposed to play a show here. It wound up canceling. Maybe, right. No, yeah, it was canceled here, but they did, <clears throat> excuse me, reschedule. But yeah, that show was great. Another yeah. time, a couple other times that I saw Alice in Chains on that tour, uh, once in Portland and then a week later I saw them in um, uh, Vegas. Uh. And they were part of a tour with Mastodon and Deftones, and that was an amazing, amazing run. Cool. Yeah. Well, there you go. We uh, we bring you lots of thoughts. What? Let me ask didn't you this. get any of your notes, but no, it's all good. Up time. So, what's your take on uh, restaurants that we used to favor uh, here in town that are that are gone? We haven't done really. We've spoken about food that we like and a few other right, things, right. but we haven't spoken about some restaurants and and whatnot that we favor. Restaurants that are gone. Like, yeah, like Mimi's Hideaway. Okay, uh, Mimi. Mimi's. No, Mimi's is still here. No, Mimi's Hideaway. Go on. It was this little like mom and pop place that was in the corner behind that Taco Bell that's on Virginia Street and Del Monte across from Whole Foods. Virginia. You know, you know where Whole Foods is. Yes. Across the street, there's that little L-shaped strip center, right? Where Circuit City is. Was yeah. Was? Originally okay. the Circuit City thing. Yeah. Back in that corner was a restaurant called Mebee's Hideaway. I had no idea about that. Yeah, restaurant. that was in the seventies. Oh. You're welcome. Wow. Okay. Is that what you wanted? To there's do? a tease. Okay. Done and done. And for that, we leave you until next time for the Newman and Paid podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.